This is the Frogcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. I am forcing positivity to start this show. It was a heck of a game, uh, not in a good way. TCU loses to West Virginia 34-10. It was uh, the, the worst game we've played since Oklahoma State last year. It was difficult to watch. It was difficult to sit through, but it's going to be even more difficult to talk about. We're going to find, try to find a glimmer of hope in the midst of this meltdown, not only in this game, but the difficulty of the season. We're going to talk about Tech and the game coming up there, as well as look back to their game against OU. That and a whole lot more on this week's episode of the Frogcast. Well, Trey, I'm a convert to your uh, way of life in terms of uh, quarterback change and the difficulty and the frustration of this team. What was it like sitting there watching the Frogs and just what was a, it was like a bloodletting is what I felt like watching us play against West Virginia. What's your initial take after watching the Frogs this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think we all agree that it wasn't fun to watch. Um, But for me, you know, after you got, we got those first two losses out of the way, I think every other loss moving forward now isn't quite as hard to take. Um, Cause you know, there's no out of the college playoff hunt. Um, you know, there was the outside shot that you can maybe still win the conference, but um, that's not going to happen. And so this loss, I don't know. I just, I felt it coming. Um, and so the loss itself didn't, you know, make me too angry, but the, just the way they played was pretty disappointing. Um, you know, we haven't seen TCU get beat down like that in what, since like 2013 or I don't know when it was, but I'm, you know, we're just not used to losing by double digits when we do lose. And so, it was just kind of uninspiring. And I knew once that first opening kickoff got fumbled and then the interception happened, I just knew it was going to be a long day. Those are like the two biggest things that everybody says that you can't do on the road is turn the ball over. And that's how you start the game. And it's just, it was just not very, you know, everybody had problems. It wasn't just a Kenny Hill problem. It was everybody had problems. Yeah, it was difficult to find um, the one thing that didn't work. Deontay Gray has two, you know, untimely turnovers. Um, Kenny Hill, of course, of course, throws an interception. I mean, it's just like uh, part of the code. But then there's so many other breakdowns in terms of defensive backfield, in terms of linebackers in their spots. Of course, we had drops, play calling. You just you just pick something. You can put the blame on it. But it goes back in my mind to, to two things that we hashed at the last couple of weeks. Number one, there's no energy. I don't sense any energy or urgency from this team. And number two, the play calling is suspect. I mean, I don't feel like we're taking shots down the field. I don't feel like that's inside of our uh, arsenal. And since we can't go down the field, we should give the ball to Kyle Hicks 25, 30 times a game, as other people have mentioned. And we're not doing that. So all of those things, you know, just kind of feed upon themselves of a, of a malaise that I feel that I felt watching the frogs on the field this last Saturday. Daniel, I know this was frustrating for you. What was uh, what was one or two of your takeaways from um, your summary of the team in, against the West Virginia Mountaineers? 
Uh, just I feel like there's a lack of discipline, a lack of passion. Um, maybe outside of Kyle Hicks or something, he seems to be the only one playing like he wants to be there. Um, I just I don't give I me mean, maybe maybe Josh Caraway or something like that too. I just not I'm just not feeling it, and it feels like it's getting uh, worse as we go on. That could be because uh, West Virginia is pretty darn good, I'd say. But um, so something like you said, it's the the play calling, how we're not going deep or anything like that. <sighs> Against Arkansas, uh, there were two long bombs to Taj Williams that both scored touchdowns, and that was part of the comeback against them. And why are we not doing that? Um, even, even if you don't complete the pass, you at least keep them on their toes uh, because they have this one more thing they have to look for. But if you're not going to do it at all, then they don't, have, and they don't have to worry about it because it just seems like all they're ever going to call are... It, actually, what was all this shovel passing going on? I hadn't seen that all year. And I don't know. It's it's just kind of a bizarre mess. Everyone's pointing the finger at everybody. Um, and it's just uh, kind of a crappy situation. You know, it is. I, I look at who's out there on the field. And more importantly, I look at who's not out there on the field. You know, Emmanuel Porter's not out there. Tyson Nina's not out there. Deontay Gray is out there, and he is clearly not producing like he was in 2014. And then Isaiah Graham, who was the early enrollee, one of the top receivers in Louisiana, that Patterson just went on and on about in the spring and the fall. He's not been out there. He's not been healthy. And when he has been healthy, his production has been suspect. That's a starting four on most – I mean, that's a, that should be a starting four in terms of wide receivers on, on our team as well as many other teams, even in the Big 12. And when you take that off the table, compounded with play calling and an offensive line that is abysmal. So it's like I just feel like we're checking all the boxes. I mean, we're punting well. We'll, we'll. we'll go with that. Nothing seems to be breaking our way, and nothing seems to be moving forward in terms of progress from week one and two to where we are right now, well past halfway through the season. It just nothing is clicking, and it's really frustrating to watch. It is really frustrating to watch. Trey, is there anything you saw that gave you any confidence about this team and their ability to maybe snap out of this? While while giving all due respect to West Virginia, um, honestly, I you know I it's hard for me. You know, we've talked about Kyle Hicks. Obviously, he was a huge positive. Like you said, he was the only one that was out there that looked like he even had any, you know, give a damn in him. Um, So it's just hard to say, I mean, if they were, if they were going to snap out of this coming off the bye week was the time that I thought that maybe that could happen. And they came out of the bye week and looked worse than they had you know, all year kind of, you know, and I know West Virginia is a good team and they are, they're a really good team. I'm not saying that because TCU lost to them. I hope that they win the big 12 and I think they have a good chance to, but that they're ranked behind Bay. Uh, I, I don't know what the positives are, man. You know, y'all know how I feel about Kenny Hill. I don't really think he's the answer. Um, the offensive line, you know, what could they do to improve? I mean, they kind of are what they are at this point. Um, the defense, you know, you can say they've made strides um, and they've looked better at times. So maybe that's a positive. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They, I don't know what I can say is a, a positive at this point. Um, 
you know, there might be some individual positions here and there that, you know, I'm, I'm maybe missing because I don't study film and things like that, but I, it's tough. And, uh, this, this tech game is really going to be interesting. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. We're going to talk, we're going to dig right into that in just a second. One of the, one of the things that I think has burdened me, um, in the last 24 hours. I mean, I, I get that message boards are designed for people to essentially complain anonymously in a, th- in a way that they would never complain to somebody face-to-face if they weren't a buddy, and they st- definitely wouldn't say to a coaching member of our coaching staff. But I feel like there's this uh, – I feel like it is – the culture of our, of our fan base is, has uh, ratcheted up the, the, the Aggie factor. I feel I feel like that we have we have gone to this sense of entitlement and complaining, and I don't mean the the the, the frustration that we all three feel, but like w- both you guys, what's your take on this? What, what's the fine line between high expectations, which we all had this year, that I think we were that were that were fair? What's the difference between high expectations and and being an Aggie that thinks that they're going to win the national title every year? Well. I agree. I think the I think the TCU fan base is kind of a somewhat different than maybe a lot of other fan bases because you've got this large group of older people um and then you've got this really big your new fans that have just gotten on board within you know, maybe since TCU joined the Big 12 or the Rose Bowl season, you know, so you go back to 2010, 2011. So there's a lot of fans that I don't think either experience the dark days um, or don't really know all the history behind TCU football, maybe. And so they have these high expectations, which are good. Um, but like you said, you can't expect them to be in the hunt for the final four every single year. This program is not to that point. And uh, I think it's just about keeping expectations in line. Now that you've seen what they've been this season, you have to adjust those expectations. Um, But it's just, it's, I think hard for a lot of people to deal with, but at the same time, do I think this sucks? Yes, I think this is it's not it's not fun. But you know, yeah, we saw, you know, a thread on Killer Frog said this is rock bottom and this is nowhere near <laughs> This is not rock bottom. <laughs> no, this is not even, you know, in the same atmosphere, hemisphere, whatever as rock bottom. It's not bad. I'm not saying I'm worried. I do think Patterson's going to make changes in the off season. I don't think he's going to do anything during the season as far as, you know, repositioning coaches or getting rid of some coaches and bringing in new ones or something. I do think he'll reevaluate this season and say, Hey, we've got to make some changes. And I think they'll get better. Every time TCU's had seasons like this, they've bounced back. So I'm not, but fans just have to temper those expectations for this season because this is this is no longer we thought we were going to be fighting for the top four. This is just hoping to get bowl eligible. Yeah, that's, I think the recalibration of expectations is difficult, especially if, especially if you've been a fan since we started winning 
in 08 and 09, where, you know, we've basically been in a in a BCS hunt or national title conversation more times than we haven't from 09, from 08 until right now. So that's a whole different world than, than a lot of fans have. Daniel, you grew up on this team when there were 12,000 people at the stadium when we were playing Rice and we were having two and ten seasons. How do you, how do you, how do you balance those expectations of, of both expecting to win and having the program built to win as well as being able to embrace a, a seven and five season, which is basically what we all predicted last week? Well, when I was a kid at the, at the games and stuff playing Rice and you know losing all the time, I still thought it was great. So I didn't know what I was doing. Um, anyway... Uh, <sighs> I, the, the difference between high expectations and being an Aggie, I guess, is that we know what's in place and what uh, the staff and everything is capable of. That's probably what's so frustrating is that we don't really have an answer. If, you know, last year was injuries. Okay, fine. That sucks, but it's going to happen, and there's not much you can do about it. Uh, so now here we are just – there's just – we're frustrated. We have no idea exactly, specifically, what is 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 wrong here. We can see this and over here and that over there, but it's not coming together um, hardly at all. And and I think that um, because we know what Gary Patterson can do, we know what uh, the offensive coordinators can do and stuff like that. That, so I don't think it's really all that out of the question to expect that, uh, especially coming in with this huge recruiting class um, that we got last year. But yeah, um, I don't feel that it's really out of control like Aggies just yet. But, I mean, the first two losses were tough, but after that, I think Trey was saying, you know, we really you kind of readjust your expectations for the year. And everything becomes a lot better. Um, I was kind of expecting to lose this weekend. Um, probably the only reason I maintained any positive feeling was uh, the, uh, we'll talk about it in a minute, the two recruits who landed. Um, but it's, I'm not expecting to win a whole lot from here on out. And in a, in a way, I can actually kind of just relax and enjoy it. If that doesn't sound too weird. No, that doesn't sound weird because I'm, I'm not going to yell at the selection committee. I'm not going to watch the selection show. I'm not going to get in a fight with people on Twitter, how the sixth best team in the SEC could win the Big 12. No, I don't have to do that crap because just, we're just trying to get to a bowl, get to as good a bowl as we can. And then hopefully if we can get there, we can, we can win and we can beat a good team. And if we do that, I'm going to call that a successful season at the moment. You know, would I like to have be optimistic enough to think we're going to shake out of this and, you know, go on a run here to win some four or five games in a row? I'd love to believe that, and I'd love for him to do it. I'm not convinced it's going to happen, but we're going to line up against Texas Tech this Saturday and, you know, let the, car, let the chips fall where they may. Well, speaking of the Texas Tech Red Raiders, we all know that uh, defense seems to be optional in Lubbock, and we can say that as a team whose defense is questionable. But they pay, they had a shootout for, uh, Saturday night against the Sooners where they lost 66-59. to 59. Patrick Mahomes throws for 734 yards. Tech loses by a touchdown. The, you know, the game went down to the wire. Um, I, I, it looked like a seven on seven tournament for the old Nike camps, but what, what are you guys, uh, what, what do you guys uh, think we're going to see when Texas tech comes into town this weekend? Do, what, what do you think of Patrick Mahomes? What do you think of this tech, uh, 
I'll put air quotes here, defense? And does any of this continue to put Clint Kingsbury on the hot seat? Well, I'm, like I said earlier, pretty nervous about this game. Um, <clears throat> We're favored by eight and a half. Yeah, which is when that line came out, uh, caught me a little off guard. I thought it would maybe be four at the highest. I don't think if TC wins, I don't think they're going to win by more than a touchdown. Um, but I've I've liked Mahomes for a while now. I think, in my opinion, he's he's either the first or second best quarterback in the league, however you want to rank him. But um, I think he's going to have a heyday on our secondary, uh, and it's. I think this is going to be a similar type game of what you just saw with them against Oklahoma. I think it's going to be a shootout for most of the game, and I'm not going to be surprised if it's 55-52 or 65, you know, 58 or something crazy like that. I think that's what it's going to be. These both teams have very suspect defenses, so there's not going to be a lot of that being played, and. I don't know. I, there's just a part of me that's scared that they're going to really push to, uh, you know, pay back for that 82 a couple years ago. And I think if our defense does not come somewhat prepared, that there's a chance that they could put 80 on the frogs. They're going to want to be getting some revenge for two years ago when we put 82 on them in Fort Worth. They're going to want revenge for the game we stole out in Lubbock last year with the, yeah, the tortilla they're, they're, tip. They're mad. They're pissed. They're going to be. They're going to um, come tick when we, um, you know, dinged them in the first game of the College World Series when Luke and Baker drove one out into left field. They have. I mean, we we knocked them out of the Big Twelve tournament. Tech has no reason to like us. They're we're the team that the, 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 they're the team that hates most that we got invited to the Big Twelve. <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, I my only gambling advice that you'll ever get from me is take the over. If the over is 90, take the over. If the over is, if the over is 100, 110, take the, take the over. So that, that's my only advice for this weekend with Tech. Daniel, do you think, do you think Kingsbury is, is on the hot seat? I mean, I know he's hot, but do you think he's on the hot seat? Because this is, this is going to be you know, just another season where they win six or seven games and their defense looks like a used Kleenex. Do you think, he's gonna, do you think there's a chance he's going to get fired at the end of the year? I don't know. It's kind of an odd culture there where they have a really good coach in Mike Leach and they can him and then everything else is pretty mediocre and they're okay with it. Um, except defense. They will fire their defense coordinator year in, year out. Apparently that's just how they roll. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I think it's um, other places like, like LSU fired Les Miles, you know, three or four games in, whatever it was. Um, I guess they're under a little more pressure than uh than Tech, but it's it's just such a I don't know you I never know what they're thinking I don't pay that much attention to them you know, unlike Baylor right now or something so I I really don't know. My brother-in-law is a huge Tech fan, and he where, where did he get his GED? <laughs> uh, he um. But so when tech. tech, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whenever <laughs> Tech plays up here, I always take him to the game with me, and uh, 
but anyway, he's a huge tech fan, and he finally the other day told me he's like, I am done with Coach Bro. He surprised to hear him say that. Very big Kingsbury fan, but I think I do think that there's other tech fans out there that feel similar to him, and that they're kind of starting to get tired of it. There's nothing really improving, and it amazes me that they can't at least put together a decent defense at all. Like every single year, it's terrible, and I know that defense is harder to play in this league because of the offenses, but they can't even put together a somewhat decent defense, and that just blows my mind. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that they can't get, you know, a roster full of high three stars on defense and be able to kind of mine and recruit through Dallas Fort Worth and kind of some of that West Austin corridor and be able to find some people that can play. They they have not been able to do that. I mean, it, they have no consistency. Like Daniel said, they fire defensive coordinators like a rite of passage every December. And, you know, I, I, I think they're going to eventually be able to improve because I actually think Kingsbury is a pretty good coach. And I think that they want him to succeed. I think they will put up with seven or eight wins, two or three more seasons in the hope that he will be able to uh, be able to win there because they want him there. But that kind of also go ahead. I was going to say, and yeah, you're right. Kingsbury is a good coach. Look at what he does with quarterbacks. So, you know, they've got the offensive side of it going. So I don't understand, you know, like you said, why can't you go out there and get some kids play defense and just sell them on like we, you know, Y'all are key pieces that are keeping us from, you know, reaching the goals that we're wanting to reach. And it's just mind blowing that they just cannot. I mean, I guess it maybe it is the inconsistencies with the defensive coordinators or something. But it's like you would think with one of them, there would be a little improvement. But it's just like there's never any defense there. No, there's not. And, you know, kind of kind of what's going on with tech is goes to the question that we were talking about earlier of how do you manage expectations of believing you can win, of being a fan, of being realistic? You know, I think in some some tech fans mind, it's it's always 2008. You know, they're always, you know, Crabtree is taking that pass and he is, you know, making that wide receiver miss and they're running right into the end zone to beat Texas. And they eternally have that picture of Mac Brown and Colt McCoy on the scoreboard where they beat Texas. Um, you know, Leach had some bad years. Leach had some average years. Leach was winning seven or eight or nine games and they were calling it good. Now they were beating AM a lot. They had AM's number, but that was a different AM team too. So I, I think I think some tech fans and, and probably us critiquing them are like, man, if they're not winning 10 or 11 games, there must be something wrong with Tech. They, they've got some expectations that I think need to be recalibrated. And we're also one of the, you know, we're, uh, we're a team that has hurt them in the Big 12. The way the, the reason they don't want Houston, that nobody wanted Houston in is the reason some people didn't want TCU in because it's another mouth to feed. It's right in the, the, the population center of the state with a really good coach and a program that's, that's got money and wants to win. And so I, I, Texas Tech might, they might just be down a win or two from where they were 10 years ago because of the way that the Big 12 changed. Texas and Oklahoma might think it's easier, but Tech, it, it got harder for them. It got harder for, for Oklahoma State. It got harder for um, you know, a team like Kansas State. So that, that's my little Texas Tech uh, recalibrate your expectations rant. I don't, I don't think they'll want to hear it, but it just so happens to be true. Well, speaking of the Big 12, we were all geeked up to do a show um, in response to expansion, and then nobody expanded We've talked about this basically since the day we started this podcast. So let's just go ahead, and I'm, I'm going to give you a paragraph and cut you off. Trey, did we do the right thing? 
I think that they did do the right thing if that's what the TV networks wanted um, and it makes everybody happy. I think that works. And there's a part of me that thinks Texas and OU are just going to stay because they have the easiest path in this conference to a playoff spot. I agree with you. I agree with you in terms of the, the makeup of what Texas and Oklahoma want. Uh, Daniel, do you think the Big 12 did the right thing by not expanding? I do. Um, the only thing I think they didn't do right was the dog and pony show leading up to it, uh, stringing along everybody, uh, not schools, but fans and the media and everybody. And um, But I don't at, – at the time, there's just it's just not worth it. And I don't think – like kind of like Trey was saying, I don't think Texas and OU are really going to go anywhere because here they have all the power and nowhere else are they going to get that. So, Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. The only thing I would have been really excited about is BYU and Boise for football only because nobody wants to fly to uh, Idaho for the volleyball team and nobody wants to rearrange the baseball tournament for BYU. But those are two footmen. I was watching that game this last weekend. BYU is a national football brand. Boise is a national football brand. I think it could have helped us as a conference just in terms of eyeballs and competitiveness. But we didn't do it, and I'm going to trust the leadership. Um, I'm going to trust Chris Del Conte that we didn't do it for the right reasons, so we'll just see what happens. But, yeah, that dog and pony show, no pun intended, when SMU is on the list of teams they're publicly interviewing, you knew they weren't going to expand. That was that was the final straw that told me this thing is over with. The biggest thing I wish this conference would take a look at is bringing in maybe a, a new commissioner or something. I just – y'all are both right. How it was handled was – terrible you know say that think the conference is at a disadvantage and then at the press conference the other day they're trying to spin that whole shit as they're in good standing and you know everybody you know unanimous decision decided not to we all know that's not true um but i think this conference needs better leadership at the top i really do would any of this yeah. be even going on if baylor or tcu make it in the playoff in 2014 no no, it yeah. wouldn't. It wouldn't. It that, all. That's yeah. why it's so stupid. Because Jeff Long gets up there and spews out some garbage to defend their money grubbing decisions, and now the entire landscape is trying to adjust to that when it wasn't even legit to begin with. It's just really stupid. No, if TCU or Baylor had made the playoff the first year, and you know clearly Oklahoma made it last year. Um, I, I don't. I don't think we'd be in this situation at all. You know, we, if we did, it would be you know just trying to milk more money out of ESPN. But yeah, if we had not made the playoff, if we had made the playoff first year, then I don't think there's any any reason we're doing this right now. But now you get Boren. If you know, I want Bowles be gone, but I want Boren to retire. That guy is. That guy has a PhD in bloviation. I get so sick of listening to him talk. He is a pure pure politician. He sounds like he's explaining some massive tax loophole that he just passed that everybody should be proud about that's going to line his pocket. I do not I'm not a big fan of Boring. He is he is a politician and he is a blowhard. Uh, well anything else from the field this weekend guys that you saw? We saw Ohio State uh get beat by Penn State. Didn't that feel good to watch that happen? Beautiful. Yeah that was yeah. a great game to watch that I was really entertaining that block field goal that 
they scored on that ended up winning was awesome. I had a feeling. I was like, man, this guy is going to have to kick this kind of low to make this. And sure enough, they blocked it. That was that's that that was awesome. I like to see Ohio State win. It's still going to be a great matchup because it's a, you know, a rivalry, but I would kind of wanted to see Ohio State and Michigan be undefeated going into their games, but it's still going to be a good game because, of course, Ohio State can still get in with a Yeah, they only dropped a couple team. spots. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. How I can't believe they didn't move up. Guys. That's a quality loss right. right there. Yeah. My favorite it's part absurd. was in the last few minutes watching Urban Meyer pace up and down the sideline like sweating bullets. It was hilarious. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. I man, I really enjoyed that. That was good stuff. That was good stuff. I liked watching Aggie get beat. Alabama is just is just a killing machine. So that that is the that 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 they're gonna they're gonna go undefeated. They're gonna win the national championship. It's just seeing who the other three spots were. It was, it was good. To, I mean, Alabama is just freaking ridiculous. They are freaking ridiculous. Yeah, they are. There's that team is like. Saban has them like on a mission. Like obviously Alabama's had some really good teams before, um, but that team seems just freaking. They do that to every team. It might be close for the first quarter, quarter and a half, half time, and then they just pull away in that second half and just straight. It's nuts. Uh, and then you know we've been talking about Washington. They had a big. Uh, went over Oregon State. They're still undefeated, so um, Pac-12 still in the hunt with them. Yeah, I watched the BYU Boise game. That's that's what really got into my mind about potential Big 12 expansions of shouldas and couldos. But I, I BYU going for the fake punt on their own four yard line. Did you guys did you guys see that? <laughs> that, was, that was terrible. That's like the worst fake punt ever. Like, okay. Give him a little awful. bit of credit for calling a fake punt there, but which nobody, I mean, whatever. But if your play is to run your freaking punter, like your slowest dude on the field, like that's just such a terrible play call. Like you've got to get it into the hands of somebody that's at least fast or can throw or something if you're going to run it that deep. Like that was terrible. Yeah, that was terrible. And I loved where, uh, they interviewed the coach and asked him why he did that. He goes, well, we're playing to win. I'm like, yeah, that's why you punt. <laughs> yeah, that's why you punt. And we didn't, we didn't uh, mention um, the SMU with that big win over Houston, which was that Houston's was- just deflated. That big 12 announcement just deflated them or something because that was shocking. I mean, for SMU to not only win, but to beat them by – what 22 points that was yep. uh pretty crazy to see and i mean i was i'm glad to see it because i don't really i would that's uh, in one instance where i wanted smu to actually win a game and uh that was a big win for them hey let, let's just face it you don't walk into gerald ford stadium in highland park and get an easy win nobody has ever done that since the late 80s i mean you just don't walk into highland park and get and get an easy win there I mean, what, what was the how do you term? feel? 38-16. Yeah. How, how do you feel, though, seriously, as a Houston fan this week? You know, you lose to Navy or whatever. Was that two weeks ago? Yeah. Then you get the – so that sucks for them. Then you get the Big 12 announcement. Then you get beat by SMU. 
And now you probably know since you're not getting in the big 12, that you're also probably going to lose your coach. Like that's just like, what a terrible week. Yeah. Not only did they lose to SMU, which was awful. I mean, like that was brutal, but Kansas state beat Texas, which only, you know, confirms what we all know is true is that Charlie strong is getting fired. And so just this list of things that have continued to happen. I mean, like they, if, if you had the highest moment in the history of the program is when they beat Oklahoma in terms of, of what they thought that was going to create for the next several years. So where they're at right now, and it's not even November, that's just like getting kicked in the nads eight, nine times in a row. Oh, I'm, that's just another good reason to not be a Houston fan and not get a grill. That's why I haven't gotten a grill. So, yeah, the SMU Houston, I'm trying to think, was there anything else this weekend that was that was of note to, to kind of rag on before uh, we – I mean, oh. semi-related to the Frogs, freaking Arkansas got clobbered by oh. They did. Uh, um, yeah, they looked they, completely different than what I remember seeing. Yeah. You know what? Just to kind of wrap this up. Go ahead, Trey. I'm sorry. I was going to say, it's just though, like, not to get on a preseason polls suck rant, but it just goes to show you when you look at some of the games and somehow some of the way these teams are playing, you know, you have people that overlooked teams like West Virginia and, you know, teams like that that playing better, even Penn state, you know, they, they're playing better. That was a huge win. Um, you know, and then teams like Houston that started, you know, so hot. And, uh, I don't know if I have another pile on Houston or Oklahoma too. Yeah. Ole Miss. I mean, you have all these teams that were so highly ranked and they're terrible or not terrible, just not living up to expectations. And you have all these other teams, that are improving as the season goes on, which kind of is frustrating again, looking at it at TCU is okay. You could take a couple early losses, but if you saw this team improving from week to week, it wouldn't feel as hopeless or as bad. And it's just like when you do see all these other teams that have come on and have started playing better, it just makes our situation feel even worse. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. That's it, it, it's, it, it just makes the next several weeks kind of difficult, especially if we don't beat Tech. I think we're going to beat Tech, but I want to see some improvement that'll that'll make a little bit uh, make the rest of the season a little bit better. Here's here's where I'm a bandwagon fan. Between now and the end of the season, I want to see Boise win out. I want to see Washington win out, and I want to see West Virginia win out. Those those are the teams I want to ride. And I want to I want to see Boise I want to see total chaos somehow to where Boise can get into the conversation for the playoff. I don't think they're going to get in. I don't think they'll get in if there's a bunch of one or even a two loss team. But I want to find a situation where they have to have a, a blunt conversation about that team. I want to see I want to see Washington and I like Chris Peterson. And you know if there's two ranked teams in the top ten from the Big 12 that I have to I have to choose between and one of them's Baylor and one of them's West Virginia that's a really easy choice. <laughs> so, that's that's what I want to see happen for the rest of the year for is is just a college football fan. Well, a couple quick things we want to end with uh, in spite of the fact that this was an awful game on Saturday. TCU is tearing it up on the recruiting trail. Uh, Jalen Rieger from uh, Waxahachie High School committed to us this uh, Thursday, he is the number two wide receiver in the state of Texas. 
He had been committed to the University of Oklahoma. His tape looks like Turpin, only a little bit bigger, I mean, big enough to take a hit. Um, and he flipped from Oklahoma to TCU. And on Friday, the number one wide receiver in the state of Texas, Omar Manning from, Lan- from Lancaster in South Dallas, he committed to TCU. Those two guys, is, that has got to be the best combination of wide receiver commitments that is of any team in the country. And when you think that Sean Robinson, the head quarterback, I mean, the, the quarterback at Soto is going to be throwing to these guys, and you got guys like Wes Harris coming in that's going to be blocking for them, I know it's kind of difficult right now, but if we step back, People want to play at TCU, and if, if five years ago or ten years ago you'd have said this caliber of player is committing to TCU, I would have laughed at you. But we got we got some hosses coming in. We got some players uh, signing up that want to be frogs, and that that gets me excited thinking about the future. You know, I know there's in the back of my mind there was this idea that you know Boykin Dotson Green it was special, and nothing will be ever be able to replicate that. And I get that they're unique, but Every recruiting class has potential, and these guys have as much potential as anybody who has ever come to TCU to be able to play. So that's kind of got me fired up. You guys need to get out and see one of these guys play on a Friday night if you haven't had a chance to. I want to go see Sean Robinson in the in the Jerry in Jerry World. That guy is a stud. I've seen Wes yeah. Harris play, if that counts. It did. Oh, that's right, in Alito. That's right. Yep. That is right. He is a big boy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to him. He's been like you know, kind of the bell cow for this recruiting class. So, yeah, if you get a chance to go see DeSoto play, that team is that team is legit. They have so many Division One players on that team. And to think that Robinson transferred in to play quarterback there, he's, he's got so much talent around him. It's it, Watching him splice up a defense is a, is a piece of work. I love watching him play on, on tape that I've been able to watch on huddle. Um, well, fellas, anything else for the good of the cause you want to uh, talk about before we wrap up here? I think I uh, got it all out. Just, I, I think it's going to be a fun game on Saturday. Like I said, I think it's going to be a shootout. I hope that the crowd is still, um, you know, going to show up, which I think they will. You know, it's always a fun matchup with Tech. And like we talked about, the, I mean, the, a lot, so many of the games have been crazy with them you know there was that 56 53 what was it double overtime you know a Mm -hmm. few years back and you know the last two and so you know i think it's going to be a great game um i think there'll be a decent amount of tech fans there and so i hope the frog fans still show up and haven't completely given up on the year um and you know it should be nice weather and all that good stuff so it's going to be fun, but it's going to be one of those probably like four, four and a half hour games because there's going to be so many points and timeouts and commercials. Trey, I'll give you $100 if at halftime you go out to the tailgates and start just scolding everybody that looks like they're not about to come back in. <laughs> okay, that's going to be my new job. I, I'd like you to do that. All you right. know, I think that would be awesome. And if you get somebody to YouTube it, that would be great too. Go into the club section with an air horn or something. <laughs> that would be good. Start blowing it in there. All their hearing aids would break. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, the, you know, if the frogs aren't going to go to the, uh, you know, go to the Sugar Bowl or get a uh, playoff bid, at least my Chicago Cubs are in the World Series. So I'm pretty excited about that. I'm sorry, Rangers fans, but we don't have much. We need a World Series win. Everybody and their cousin up here in Chicago is is on edge about the frog about the the Cubs being in the World Series. So 
Stand in room only tickets. Game one are only twenty three hundred dollars. So if you guys want to help me get to the game, I'd love that. Well, I'm all for it because Jake Arietta. So that's right, man. We got a horn frog. Got a horn frog on the map. I got an Arietta jersey. So I'm gonna wear that to church the next Sunday. Uh, if we, if we win the World Series, I'm gonna I'm gonna wear that to preach in the next day after. So hopefully that comes together. All right, guys, as always, we enjoy our time together. We're going to wrap up this episode of the Frogcast. If you're a fan and you got this far, we want to thank you for listening to our show. Track us down on iTunes. Give us a rating. You can always find us at thefrogcast.com. And we are proud members of the Killer Frogs family. Go on Killer Frogs. Join the other grumpy old men that want to go on there and make America great again and want to uh, talk about the frogs. We'd love for you to be able to do that. As always, for Trey Fallon, for Daniel Southern, I am Jeff Mitchell. Thank you for listening to the Frogcast. Frogcast.